In this series of podcasts, we will be speaking with a wide variety of guests with one thing in common, justice. This is Demanding Justice with your host, Stuart Grimley. Hello listeners, my name is Stuart Grimley, I'm a Victorian MP and thank you for tuning in to another instalment of my podcast, Demanding Justice, where I'll be speaking with today, Janelle Dean Hayes and her partner, Josh. Janelle and Josh are here today speaking to us about uh, their son, her son Tyler, and his death in 2017 and the pursuit of legislative change for crimes involving motor vehicles. Welcome to the podcast, Janelle and Josh. As a bit of background for our listeners, in October 2017, Tyler was riding his motorised bike in Buckley when he was hit by a vehicle being driven by Billy J. Glynn, who failed to stop and ran render any assistance at the scene. During the trial, Glynn stated that he believed he'd hit a kangaroo when he decided to drive away from the scene. He was later acquitted of dangerous driving, causing death in the crash that caused the death of Tyler, who was just 18 years old at the time and Glynn was found guilty of drug driving due to a positive reading for cannabis. Since then, Janelle, with her partner Josh, have been strong advocates for legislative change, specifically in relation to crimes involving motor vehicles. Janelle, tell me about Tyler and the type of person he was. Okay, thanks, Jack. Look, Tyler was, he was just active and outgoing, funny, um, he managed to get himself into trouble without even trying. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, he just, uh, he'd just give anything a go. And nine times out of ten, you know, it'd end up being something, you know, that ended in, you know, a, a stone stuck in his knee or, a, <laughs> you know, a trip to the doctors because he'd fallen off a skateboard or fallen out of a tree. He was just, um, yeah, always on the go and, and always willing to um, step up for his, for his friends um, if they wanted him to go somewhere, he'd just drop everything and, and go. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he didn't like school. Um, it just wasn't mainstream school. It just mm-hmm. wasn't for him. He found it really boring and tedious. Um, so going back where you wish tech schools were, mm-hmm. were still a thing because he, he would have been amazing at tech school, um, more hands-on than um, than academic. So, mm-hmm. but no, he was he was really, really fun and and he had an apprenticeship lined up as well? Yes. Yeah. He'd, um, he'd just been successful mm. in uh, gaining apprenticeship. He was uh, the first uh, kid who'd gone through Diversitat mm-hmm. um, in town um, and had gone from being disenfranchised and staying at home full time um, to going into study um, and training and then straight into an apprenticeship mm. within six months. He was the first kid who'd ever done it. Wow. For, for diversity. Yeah. So, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they've got a, um, a student of the year award that mm. they oh, put, to get, put forward every year um, in, in titles on us. So it's yeah. wonderful. Mm. Um, I want to talk to you about the court case and your experience with the justice system. And I note that in the deliberations, uh, Magistrate Lesser, in speaking uh, with the accused at the time during his verdict, said that the crash was, and I quote, largely outside your control. And he, and he hoped, the magistrate hoped, that um, the accused could put the crash behind him. Tell me about your experiences as a victim of crime with the judicial process, and are we doing enough in supporting victims? Um, I would say that 
the um, accused, shall we say, uh, was awarded every possible convenience and we were made to feel like, like, like at least I, mm. dealing with the OPP after the verdict was in, we were treated like um, ungrateful, rude, whiny complainers um, for going, well, hang on, how come you guys didn't do this? How come you guys didn't do that? You know? It, mm. um, yeah, I, to be honest, I completely appalled by the OPP. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I don't think they did near enough from, from day dot. Uh, the victim's advocates were absolutely oh, were, amazing. Yes. Mm. We had um, Amanda and Teresa, and yeah. they were fantastic. They were with us, you know, uh, through, through the whole thing, and they were, in, they were incredible. Um, but yeah. every time we tried to mention sort of how we were feeling or, or what we'd like to see, just because, you know, that's what we'd like to see, um, we were we were nailed down yeah. each each time. Like um, one time, one of the original barristers uh, had come down just to sort of see one of the hearings. One of the, I'm not sure if it was the committal or hmm. which one it was. And I said, "Look, I said, I don't expect him to obviously go to jail for the rest of his life or anything." I said, "But I would like to see him at least get a sentence of of four years." Hmm. I said, you know, one for each year of Tyler's apprenticeship that he's missing. Mm. And she cut me off at the knees. Like, it wasn't polite. It wasn't yeah. calm. She just went, oh, no. She goes, we don't have anything to do with sensing. That's nothing to do. That's mm. nothing to do with us. And just it just cut me off. And I said, no, that's, that's just what I'd mm. like to mm. see. You know, I'm not demanding that. Yeah. Um, and on the first day of the trial, um, when we found out that we had Grant, who we'd never met before, Oh, Grant Hayward. Um, I walked up to him and I just because on the on the very first day he was so quiet. He was just listening and letting the uh, defence barrister grandstand and you know do all this stuff. And I just went up to him at the end and I said, "Look, I said we we really want an advocate for Tyler. Like mm. we need someone who's going to fight mm. for Tyler. He's not here to do it himself. We need someone who's going to fight for him. Mm. Um, you know, and not just treat him like a number." And he just turned on me. He turned around, I don't treat any of my clients like a number. Mm. And he never tried from that minute on. I mean, he wasn't trying already, obviously, before that. But, um, you know, the defence barrister, we were saying in the car on the way here, the defence barrister was labouring every single point, like to the point where even the jurors were rolling their eyes in places. Mm. You know, and the, the judge had to, had to tell him... You know, okay, you've you've made your point, and yet the prosecution, I think, it'd be answered, and he'd just go, "Oh, okay." Yeah. He didn't belabor any points. He didn't make anything clear. Um, just let it let it slide. And I still remember it seared into my brain. Right after the verdict was read, obviously not in our favour, but he looked us dead in the eye and said, you could at least take solace in that he would have been having the worst week of his life. Oh, absolute joke. That's all we have to say. Took a lot of energy not to thump him. But... Absolute joke. That's been my argument for a long time in that 
um, accused persons have legal representation um, through legal aid, quite often subsidised through legal aid, that are fighting for the rights of the accused, whereas victims uh, rely on a public prosecution system which seems more intent on upholding the law rather than fighting for the rights of victims. I heard you didn't bother really doing that. Yeah. I mean, we said um, from the start, because they, they took us in um, probably a, a year in, and they said, we're not going to be bringing up the fact that he had cannabis in his system. And we said, why? Oh, we can't prove that the levels were high enough to cause impairment. I said, wait a minute. I said, is that an illegal drug or not? Is he allowed to have it in his system at all or not? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, it is an illegal drug, but... And I said, well, no buts. He's got an illegal drug in his mm. system. It should be allowed to be brought mm. up. Little did we know that they were going to be allowed to bring up that Tyler had cannabis in his system. Mm. And the, pros- the uh, defence was able to imply to the jury that it was impairing. Mm. Um, so there's a blatant double standard there. Yep. Who's on trial? Yeah. Yep. Tyler was the, mm. the whole time. Yeah. And the OPP did nothing, well, in particular Grant, mm. did nothing about it. He just he just didn't he didn't care. He, he was there to show up. And he did that. He showed up. Um, but, you know, we, we met him the first day, um, had that interaction with him. And then the second day he showed up, he barely even had a voice. He'd, um, he'd gotten the flu magically overnight um, and he barely had a voice. His nose was running off his face. His eyes were – his brain just wasn't in it. Mm, yeah. He was too busy worrying about how sick he was. It was. There was no way with the way his head was clogged up that he was focusing on, on that case at all. Mm. He should have stepped down. He should never have been allowed – to continue being part of that trial with how sick he was. Yeah. Did you have any um, issues with your victim impact statement and supplying your victim impact statement to the court? We didn't get to. Okay. He was acquitted. We get nothing. You can only do a victim impact statement um, during the sentencing trial. Okay. So it would require a guilty verdict before we could even start. So it was just nothing, nothing, nothing. No. We got taken out to this little room so that they weren't at risk. <clears throat> we all get let out into this little room so that they can go out and celebrate or whatever. And yeah. we're, we're led into this tiny little room and get told that he would have been having a bad week. Yeah, we're tra- having a bad life. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Tyler's yeah. not just having a week. Mm. Yeah. yeah, neither is Oakley. We, um, I've spoken to a number of police officers uh, even now and when I was in the job and even some magistrates lately and they've come out and publicly supported stronger penalties for drug driving, um, repeat drug drivers and also for stronger drug driving legislation and as it stands repeat drug drivers will not face jail time mm. um, as opposed to repeat drink drivers. Yeah. How does that make you feel and what do you think um, we can do to strengthen those laws? I think it's typical of right now. Yeah. That uh, they're treating drugs 
less, you know, with less importance than they are with alcohol. But those in the know and those who don't care are using drugs more because they know that there's the gap in what can be tested and what can't. Mm. And police on the scene, when they pull over a driver, they just don't have that autonomy to actually go, well, this person's clearly under the influence. I'm going to take his keys away or what have you. Um, it's, you know, they get issued a fine, they pay the fine, and they'll be out doing it again the next week. Mm. The issue I found um, when I was on the road was if we came across a driver who was a bit swervy um, and if that driver was breath tested and it came up with zero percent alcohol but you still had concerns that yeah. there was something else going on here then we would have to call up for a traffic management unit to come to where we were to perhaps do a um, preliminary oral test for, yeah. for drugs but there's a few um, legal difficulties with that because the mm. traffic management unit hasn't seen them driving um, so therefore, you know, how can they sort of test for impairment? And the, the second thing is, is that there's very few traffic management units on the road. And when they are on the road, they're quite often tied up with other things. So your general duties van has no, have, they have nothing in terms of drug testing. We've got all the PB, you know, PBTs for the drink driving. We've got nothing to test for the drugs. So it's, yeah, it's definitely something that's on our radar. And, and um, yeah, we hope to get some change. But even when they are getting caught, when, when they are getting sent to, you know, to the magistrate's court or whatever, what are they getting? Yeah, if anything, a suspended sentence. Yeah, I mean, Fine. the driver in, in this case, they weren't allowed to bring up, they weren't allowed to bring up his drug use, or they, they didn't bring yeah. up his drug use, not they couldn't, because I've seen other cases since then where they absolutely have. Mm. Um, they chose not to. And then when he got acquitted, so they could only bring it up in the sentencing phase if he was found guilty, and then they would have popped it in with mm -hmm. the same thing. Because he was acquitted, they sent it down to the magistrate's court, and he got, was it a $600 fine and a 30-day loss of licence? No, I thought it was... I thought it was a six months loss of license and like a three hundred and fifty dollar fine. Okay, yeah. So it was yeah, anyway, it was feeble. It was pathetic. Yeah. And that was for killing someone yeah. whilst under the influence of drugs. There was no doubt he killed him. Mm. They just tried to fluff the circumstances. Yeah. Um, the problem was, as you said at the start, he said he'd hit a roo. Mm. But in his police video he didn't. Mm. He knew in his gut he hit a person. That's almost verbatim to what he said. Yeah. And he'd, he'd said um, also in that video interview that when he'd heard Oakley on his bike, when he passed Oakley first, he thought it was his dad. He said, I thought it could have been my dad or the guy in the wheelchair, which is Speedy, who lives around mm. the corner. So, and this is what we're saying, that the prosecution didn't then say, so you knew there were people out there. Because mm. you thought it was your dad, you knew that there were people yeah. out there. Or at least had an expectation that people mm. would be out there. So why would you suddenly think that it was just a roo? Yeah. A roo suddenly chasing these people on bikes? Like, 
It was it was just such utter nonsense. Clearly a pathetic excuse. But it worked, Stuart. <laughs> this is the problem that we have. It it actually worked. This this guy was driving with no headlights on and the police proved that. Mm. They they had video of the car where they went round and half his lights weren't even plugged in or wired properly. Half of them weren't even working. He shouldn't have been driving the car at all. Mm. Maybe during the day when he didn't need the lights, but with that alternator and with those lights, he should never have been yeah. driving it at all. Mm. He didn't even get done for an unregistered, uh, sorry, an unroadworthy vehicle. Which is probably going to cost him more than what the, you know, driving under the influence would do nowadays. It's a yeah. $1,200 fine. Yeah, That's a joke. The police yeah. proved that his vehicle was not up to standard, that the lights were having mm. issues, and yet not guilty of dangerous driving. Well, I would say that by knowing that you're driving an unroadworthy vehicle and an unsafe vehicle, you're culpable at that point. Well, you're complicit in the in the accident, mm. that's for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, we had the witnesses that said every time the boys saw a car coming, like they mightn't have seen the boys, but when these witnesses got to where the boys were and got, saw them in the headlights, that the boys were well and truly out of their way. Mm. They were either well over in the grass or they were yeah. over on the other side of the road on the shoulder. So the boys were moving out mm. of the way mm. each and every time they saw or heard yeah. a car coming with headlights. Doing the right thing. But all mm. of a sudden, 500 metres from their destination, now they've just ridden like 13 kilometres, mm. 500 metres just around the corner from their destination, suddenly Tyler decides to stay in the middle of the road with headlights coming at him. Mm. Why? It doesn't make sense. Why would he? I think at one stage the defence even tried to say that there were skid marks on the yeah. road. That's from them because they're known for a family of doing burnouts out that way. They're known as, as always doing burnouts. But burnouts, they presented the arms were quite obviously car tyres, not bicycle tyres. Yeah. And even yeah. the policeman who was testifying just went, no. Like, <laughs> he just looked at him like, you're a bit of an idiot, aren't you? Um, but it was it was just all victim blaming and, and throwing this. Mm. Uh, it wasn't even reasonable doubt, to be honest. It was just doubt. Mm. Um and I, I would just... But that's, that's my point. The, the, the defence works so hard in discrediting the other party mm. and casting doubt and aspersions and doing whatever they can for the benefit of their client. Whereas um, the, you know, a public prosecutor uh, is more interested or more focused, I suppose, is a better word, on... points the law. On the law. Mm. Yeah not necessarily the victims that's and that's just totally wrong it's the system is just so skewed mm. towards the favor of you know an accused person absolutely thank yes. all the rights it is just so wrong um we'll keep yeah well uh, I, I wish and i wish i could press a button and just make it all right but yeah. We have to press so many different buttons in so many different sequences, mm. and you know, and it's it's hard enough um, for for me to sort of go through that process or see that process happening in Parliament. I can't even imagine what it's like for victims of crime to see you know all of this 
delay red tape procedural garbage it's just yeah well when you get to the point where you get called in um at one point well you get told afterwards actually um before part of the the testimony happens oh one of the girls on the jury has admitted that she knows the girlfriend from dance class the driver's girlfriend who was in the car and was going to testify mm. that they were doing everything right. This girl on the jury knew the girlfriend. Right. But everyone else, not us, but obviously everyone else, the defence, the judge um, and the, the OPP, was satisfied that the, the, the connection was only tenuous and, yeah. and the girl had said that she, she didn't think that it would affect her judgment. <laughs> Mm. Of course she's going to say that. Mm. Of course she is going to say that. That's why they have that question, do you know anyone involved in this yeah. case? And she said no. Mm. It wasn't until she was actually on the jury that she came out and said yes. Well, it should have been automatic. Grounds. Automatic. Yeah. She yeah. lied at the yeah. start to get on the jury. And yeah. yet she was allowed in there. Mm. And she's one of the ones who said not guilty. So she knows she knows the girlfriend. Um, well, she's yeah. She knows the girlfriend. She lied yeah. with that fact, and yet she remains on the on, on the, the jury. jury. That's yeah. just ridiculous. And was allowed to acquit her friend's boyfriend. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Another issue is that we're not convinced that the jury's decision was based on law, and. Because one of them, I think, one of them wrote a note to the judge saying, oh, if he's found guilty, how, how long will he get or something like that? Mm. So, it's, the only, it's the only question they ever asked. Yeah, so they're, they're already being a bleeding heart. Mm. But there is no, there's no way to moderate juries. I mean, the jury members could have gone, oh, well, I want to get home and watch The Simpsons. Mm. Um, oh, I don't want to do this again tomorrow. My son's got a mm. soccer match mm. on. Um, let's just uh, let's go not guilty and bugger off. Yeah, he won't do it again. We know he won't do it again. So we might as well just let him go this once, give him a chance. Yeah. There's no cameras in there. There's no recording devices. There's no sort of... Um, in the deliberations. Yep. Yeah, in the jury room. Well, the, the jury members are allowed to roam free, like free-range chooks. Um, mm. upstairs. I mean, we caught one of them eavesdropping in a conversation once. Yeah, mm. both families. He'd hide behind pillars in the courthouse yeah. and he'd listen. And then if he got spotted, he'd yeah. cruise over and he'd stand and he'd listen which to the is, outside. Which is that's what he was instructed not to do. Yeah, that's totally wrong. Yeah. yeah so, but they're not sequestered in Geelong no, Courthouse. No, and they should be. But there's no, like, um, court-appointed... Um, monitor or something. A monitor yeah. or... There's the clerk, but he just stands there and makes mm. sure that they don't... I don't know, you know, they've got everything that they need and yeah. they don't, you know, say anything... Two out of the... He was just doddering as they come. Mm. You know, but um, I, I believe given if you get a not... So if you get a guilty verdict, you can appeal until the cows come home until you can try and get whatever mm -hmm. answer you want. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, if you get a not guilty verdict, no mm -hmm. one's there for the victims then, right? Mm -hmm. We get nothing legally. Yeah. Um, we don't get to appeal, we don't get to fight it, we, we get nothing. And yet we're, on, we're the victims, mm. and we're, you know, our son's the victim. Yeah. Um, so the defendant, again, is getting all the rights to appeal. Mm. 
but the victim gets absolutely nothing. And I believe that if that all uh, conversations and everything should be video and audio monitored in the rooms, only after the verdict comes back, I believe that copies of those tapes ought to be given to the defence, to the prosecutor and to the judge. And if there's any grounds for appeal from any party, because they've made a decision that wasn't based on law or there was something in there that was erroneous, then anyone should have grounds for appeal, prosecution included. Mm. Like, you know, victims, uh, acquittal or not, we should be allowed to appeal it if their decision is not based in law and it's it's based on something completely erroneous. Mm. We should be allowed to appeal it. Yeah, that's a good point. I've, and I've always said that victims of crime don't choose to be victims of crime. No. Whereas a person committing a crime chooses yes. to commit a crime. Absolutely. And yet, at the other end of the scale, victims of crime are treated like garbage most of the time and their rights are quite often sacrificed at the rights of the offender mm-hmm. who has, first of all, chosen to commit that crime upon someone who's totally innocent. So I just don't get it. It, it frustrates me and um, I think it's great, remarkable that you know, both of you are continuing this fight um, for justice for Tyler. Now, I met with you, um, seems like so long ago now in Parliament, yeah. <laughs> um, during that day when we debated the legislation on the hit run and I was struck by how um, solid your relationship is with each other considering um, everything that you've been through, um, life's tough enough as it is, let alone what you guys had to go through. Tell me about how you both are going nowadays. Well, we just, on the 23rd, we celebrated 13 years together and seven married. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you said partner at the start, it's like husband. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> it's just something that we've come up against time after time. Yeah. Like in the newspapers, they kept saying partner in the captions and a friend, a friend oh, was another yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and even in the court, um, going back to, to that, um, because Dean Hayes is uh, like the hyphen, I never changed my name mm. to Hayes. So mm. I use Dean Hayes like on Facebook, but it's, mm. it's just, it's Janelle Dean. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to use Dean Hayes, but it's not my legal mm. name. And that's what I was fascinated about in court. Um, I used my name, just Janelle Dean and Josh Hayes, um, and they, they called us partners. The guy at the front called us partners when he was saying, do you know them? Um, and yet she was able to get up there, hyphenate her, the girlfriend, sorry, mm. Job's girlfriend, hyphenate her name, which she'd magically changed from Manning Lane to Manning, his surname, mm. and no one questioned it. Yeah. It wasn't a legal change, mm. and yet she wasn't using her legal name, but it made it look like they were married. We are married. Mm, yeah. Like, we went through the whole thing. Mm. I honestly don't know why I did that. I felt they were indulging a child. Mm. Yeah, she should have. Uh, I believe they should have to use their legal names. Yeah, I think going well though. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, get off on tangents. This very puts up. Yes, no, going, going. Well. We we have um, not moments against mm. each other. That's yeah, that's mm. never been a thing. We're stronger together than we ever would have been apart. Um, 
was wonderful. Yeah. We, you know, there there were just days where we both just yeah crash a little bit, and mm. you know, we miss him always. Yeah, yeah I bet absolutely. We, we spoke before the podcast about a book that's been written um, by Monique Patterson. That's titled Tears for Tyler. Um, tell me about your involvement in this book and that's okay. <laughs> You're getting them now. Yeah, um, yeah Monique, uh, did you read it, reach out to Monique or did Monique reach out to you? Oh, I saw her. I saw something on Facebook. She'd written a book about um, uh, Stephanie, uh, Stephanie mm. Scott. Mm-hmm. Up in Leighton in New South Wales, and she was promoting her book for that because she yeah, was united by grief. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And um, when she was promoting that, I I just reached out to her and made a little little comment going, maybe you can write a story about our son. Uh-huh. And she went, I'd love to talk to you about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. We met her up in it was a Warnable or Colo. Warnable. Warnable, and we just yeah. Sat at Thunder Point. Yeah, <laughs> just had a chat chat on the rocks about Tyler and brought some photos and that oh. sort of thing and uh, wasn't that long later where she sent us both a questionnaire oh. about what we thought about certain things and um, yeah we told her about you know other families that are going through similar things such as the um, the, ba- the Bowdens and yeah, Bowdens, Dennis Bradley um, Geraldine Geraldine Eels, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, oh, just there's just so many, and there are, there are pages upon pages um, when you read the book. Um, what what we asked for as part of it was that it wasn't just Tyler's story. Like a lot, a lot of it is obviously, mm. but we said it's it's not just in it. You know, we're not just in it for Tyler. Like we're in it for there's, there's just so many mm. with the petition. There were so many people sharing their stories and. Um, you know, and reaching out on Facebook and telling us things that they're going through. And mm. um, there's a woman, uh, Geraldine, whose mm. who's son Jackson was hit uh, by a, a truck driver. He was he was riding his bike too and um, hit by a truck driver and he'd had a medical incident. Allegedly. Hmm. Well, he knew that he was unwell. Yeah. And he'd lied to Vic Rhodes. Yeah, apparently he had a heart condition. Uh-huh. And basically, would I believe it would disqualify him from operating such a vehicle. Um, but he didn't disclose that to Vic Rhodes or his employer. Um, so, um, yeah, when he struck Jackson, he had the um, medical episode. But that was that was completely thrown out of court by the judge. The judge um, stated that we won't be pursuing this any further because I cannot believe the jury can determine whether or not he had or had not had a medical incident at the time of the collision. But for me, that's, I don't think that's up to the judge to make the decision. It's up to the jury. Mm. And it's not the point. I mean, yes, he may have had a medical episode. He still lied about he falsified his license, mm. so he shouldn't have been on the road regardless. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He shouldn't have even been there from the very beginning. Yeah. He's got a medical condition. Yeah. But she didn't even go, they didn't even get a trial. No, they waited longer than we did. Mm. Yeah. Jackson died before Tyler. Not, not much longer, I don't think. Yeah. But um, he died before Tyler, and uh, they waited longer than us. And it was only, I think, 
three or four days before the trial was supposed to start. Yeah. When the judge called them in and said, sorry, you're not getting a trial now because I don't think a jury can make this decision. Well, that's up to the jury. Yeah. Mm. Let's see if the jury can make that decision because that's what they're there for. Um, and I, I just, I think that's part of the huge problem with it. Mm. Car crime, and it, it goes across all of it, drink driving, drug driving, hit and runs, mm. Um, you know, speeding, all of it is car crime. It all falls under this huge banner and it is all treated like a whoopsie daisy. Yep. It could, oh, it could just happen anyway. It's just, it's just a bad decision. It, it won't happen again. Oh, it was an accident or Whoops. maybe you panicked. Mm. Right? Which so mm. many excuses are made yeah. for stupid mm. decisions behind the wheel and then they wonder why it keeps happening. Mm. I'll never forget there was a, I can't remember the circumstances now, but I recall a, an excuse for a crash, serious crash that occurred and he had a sneezing fit. The person had a sneezing Robert fit behind, behind the wheel. Robert Parkinson. Into the dam. Um, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it just came to me as you were talking then, yeah. and that was his excuse that killed three, three kids. That's yeah, it's on the outskirts of Winchelsea. In the dam down, down there. Yeah. And that's... Yep. Um, we'll keep fighting. Yeah, we'll keep fighting. And, um, At least yeah. you're not feeling guilty, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and it's you, – you, you're seeing positives out of a very negative situation yeah. and, and you're taking such a, a massive, massive leap forward for so many people, not just yourselves but for so many other people. Yeah, and I think it's tremendous. Um, Janelle and Josh, Janelle and your husband, <laughs> Josh, <laughs> You're both an inspiration, and thanks very much for joining us here today. Thanks so much, Thank Stuart. Really appreciate you having us. Oh, yep, that was good. Thank yeah, you. I ramble.